Welcome to the round 21 Supercoach Coach podcast. We're heading into elimination final week. Back with FB Donkey. Welcome back to the show. Good to be here, mate. Can't believe we've made it this far. Round 21. Woo. Only two shows to go. And if you're in cash league, big first round. I know you play a few cashies, Mark. How'd you go? Uh, well, the biggest league I'm in got super unlucky and didn't even make the finals, even though I was like third on total points. A few of the other ones, I won the rest of them and the draft league, unfortunately lost in a prelim. So I'll be facing an elimination final in that one this week. Should give a shout out to my wife though. She had the 15th highest weekly score this week. Second time she's been top 50 for the week this year, but is still ranked about 6,000. So I think she's just got a fairly unique team. A bit of, um, very cool. A bit of Rowan Marshall helps. Nice, nice. How'd your team score on the weekend? 24-20. And I was pretty happy with that, mate, because for about the fifth week in a row, I think, I was predicted to lose to you by about 100 points on the Saturday. And then on Sunday, somehow, I've managed to claw all my way back and get at least close or just lose by a little bit. So uh, I was pretty happy with that. And mainly, my boy, Zach Merritt, he was on, I think it was 39 at halftime and posted 140, and his tackling in that second half was unbelievable. Yeah, it was hard to watch the last game of the round. Uh, I think Jared Witts is the guy I got playing on Sunday, and he's continually disappointed. But Merritt has got to be one of the most important players of the last five rounds. He's averaging 139 across the last five games. That's humongous. Single-handedly holding my season together. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> I scored 24.05. So you picked me by 15 points. Uh, I think the difference between us is about 20 or 30 points. So I'm sitting at 2006 overall. It's crazy that like within 20 points, the difference is between our two teams, like 150 spots. Just goes to show how tight the competition is in the band that we're in at the moment. Yeah, I've noticed I worked really, really hard to get up to about the 2000 rank and I've stalled a bit since getting here. It is hard to push to that next level. Uh, so hopefully for a big few weeks ahead. But really, the biggest difference between our teams is not the 20 to 30 points, Marcus. It's the amount of trades left. Um, I did hear a rumor that you may have gone pretty yes. low in your trades. Yeah, it's the first time in a long time I've gone to zero trades with three rounds to go. Uh had Aaron Hall, Cornelio, and Hewitt. And Bazo was out with an injury. Rioli, Tickle didn't come back, neither Thompson. So yeah, I'm really light on the cover stakes. And with Aaron Hall out, I've already used my premium cover. Not a super weak. So traded in Bailey Smith. How'd that go? Yep. 59 points wasn't ideal. Rowan Marshall would have changed things up pretty significantly. But at the time I traded Smith in, uh, of course, the GWS game was the first tranche of games on the Saturday afternoon. And Tom Campbell was a laid out at 4.30. And Rowan Marshall looked like he'd been paired with a second ruck, which... Apparently it was all mind games, so F you, Brett Ratton, but yeah, that's all right. 
So that um, 115 points would have meant that you'd be about 100 points in front of me right now if you had have um, just mm. a little bit differently. Yeah. Can't win them all, but it did mean that I got to bring in Tom Stewart, which I'm happy about, as opposed to Doherty, who continues to be a bit subpar as 91. Yeah. Tommy Stewart, 112. Uh, and Smith is still a good player to have, so hoping that makes a bit of a difference. It's got Freo, which is a tough game this week, but it is at Marvel and then GWS and Hawthorne. So fingers crossed that it pays off in the longer run, but first week wasn't ideal. And Himmelberg got moved back up forward. So bit annoying uh, weekend of scoring, but uh, happy to still be moving up, even though it was only 38 spots. Treading water at this stage is not bad. If I can stay or get into the top 2,000 and hang on by the end of the season, I'd be pretty happy. So keep our fingers crossed. We should uh, give a shout out to CJ, who's regularly on the podcast, has moved into the top 1,000 after a big 2,500 plus week. Yeah, we've had pretty good round of scoring in general in the Supercoach Coach community. Our Supercoach Coach Patreon 1 ranked league is now up to top 12 leagues. And we're seeing quite a lot of movement with our other Supercoach Coach leagues moving up the overall stakes. So I think that means we're finishing strong, which is a good thing. And I think among us podcast hosts, we've it's all in the top 3,000 or top 4,000. So uh, not a lot of points between us all. Uh, all seem to be doing reasonably well. So I think the advice is held up comparing to the other fantasy communities out there. I think we're comparing pretty darn well. That's pretty good because I think that a lot of us had a very slow start and a lot of other communities did as well because the starting squads that were really good were non-conventional sort of teams. Uh, and so it's all been about trading. And so I think our trading this year has been, um, has been pretty good and pretty reliable and, uh, has helped us and our community push pretty well up the rankings. So shout out to our top scorers in our super coach coach group. I don't think that Mel's in there, otherwise she would have uh, topped it, but slippery gypsies gets the call out instead round rank of 141 scoring 2586. So congratulations to James's team. And in our Patreon group, top scorer there was 2613 Bo's team, Blueys, Bombers with a round rank of 42. What did Mel end up with to score 15? Wow. Uh, I'm not sure. I was 2630-ish. But no, yeah, so she was tracking really, really well all weekend. I think she was top five at one point. In terms of the overall stakes, Tyler's team, Shep Screamers in at 12th, and Jimmy's team, Hungry Harrocross, regained a few positions up into 15th. So hopefully those two can finish in the top 10 and win themselves some cash. All right, for this week's show, we didn't get a heap of questions. Probably makes sense with some of us running out of trades, like myself, and also... I don't think there was major news in terms of injuries or suspensions as a result of the games on the weekend themselves. Yeah. So we're going to get through the questions we do have and then maybe just have a poke around. If anyone's looking for a hot player for an elimination final, just having a quick peek at the last three games and who might be a decent selection. Let's start with the first question here from Marty G. Is short to Rowan Marshall via DPP the right move? We'll leave him with one trade and he still has Hall in his defense. 
What do you reckon about trading in to Rowan Marshall? Is he somewhat of a must-have keeping up this number one spot the first week of him playing as that number one ruck only brought in about 80 or so points? Yeah. Tom Campbell came back, so he was very underselected last week and then blew out a huge 170 score. His price point is still relatively good, though. Certainly not as cheap as he was after a huge score like that, but compared to what he might score, 481000 still seems like a relative bargain. Went up 29k. It is a really good price. Price matters a lot less at this time of year when you're looking at one or two trades left. Um, so value is not quite as important. You're just looking for points at this stage of the year. Uh, I think that Tom Campbell is still a threat because uh, they named him and then... They didn't end up playing him. I know that they played really well against the Hawks, but Hawks didn't have a huge ruck contingent to go up against. Uh, so that may be a factor going forward. It'll be interesting to see what happens. They do have, I think it's Geelong, Brisbane, uh, Swans. I, I know that Geelong's been seen as an easy game to play against rucks, but uh, Blitzarves is doing a good job of shutting down the other ruckmen. Plus, I think Segler, I don't know what you thought, but I thought Segler looked pretty good in that, especially after quarter time. Um, I think that his pressure around the ball was really good. And McInerney's been doing really well at restricting other rucks. And Hickey is not necessarily an easy beat, although he can be really up and down. Uh, so I don't think he's super, super obvious from that perspective, but it is hard to look past a 175 and he just has that potential to average 120 plus over the last three weeks. So given the fact in this very specific situation where they've, you've got someone like Jaden Short, who has just underperformed for a really long time now, like pretty much ever since the West Coast game, uh, he has been scoring pretty poorly. So I think that short as a particular example to Marshall is probably a good gamble. Two trades left is the tricky bit because you might, you might need them for injuries. You might get more points covering a donut or covering a, a player that gets injured rather than upgrading a Jaden short. So say short averages 90 and Marshall averages 120. Um, it is a pretty fine margin at this time of the year. Be uh, looking at short. He's scored over 103 times since round eight. And with a high score of 110, like he's consistently getting some points, but he's dropped into the 70s the last two weeks. And he's definitely a player that I wish I didn't have in my team. What do you reckon? Agree. I think if you're playing leagues, that's where I might consider it. And so the next question we did get from JB, looking at his opponents left in his leagues, most of them have Marshall. He's also got two trades left and he's asking whether or not to bring Marshall in to essentially cover off that point of uniqueness. JB's looking at Goldie to Marshall, so definitely not as good as Short to Marshall. Yeah. But I suppose the concept of using a trade here, if you feel like your team's relatively stronger than your opponents, apart from some of these risks, then closing one of them out might be a better reason to do it. If you're just going for the overall stakes, like I'd probably not really be looking to short to Marshall. just feels like a big gamble that could be a waste of trade. Yeah, and Goldie, three of his last five have been 80 or under, which is a bit concerning, but he's also had a couple of 120s in that period. Goldie's tricky because I think that he is a player that could match Marshall over the last three weeks, so that margin is pretty thin, especially depending on whether we know Campbell's going to play or not and whether he gets named. Um, I think that is a really big factor. Realistically, at this stage, if you've got two trades for three weeks and you're going for leagues, I think that 
you want to try and get through and hold hold at least one trade going into the grand final and you'd probably want one for the prelim as well so yeah i personally i'd be using your trades as an advantage because i don't think that there are a lot of teams that have more than two trades at this time of the year yep agree with that i think if you are in a scenario where you have Cornelio and he happens to miss again this week there's not indications like we're recording on monday night that he is going to miss but just on the off chance that's probably the scenario where you know replacing a rookie rather than replacing a premium even if they're underperforming premium would be more the scenario where i'd be happy to use i guess your second last trade ever since i got down to three and this is how what i do every year my trades are for covering donuts they're not for upgrades and if they were for a side swappy upgrade sort of move it'll be with a week, maybe two weeks left. So looking at the forward line, just in a complete vacuum, Bont, Libba, Rosie, Marshall, I reckon those are the four players I'd be punting on a hot run on if you were just looking at upside in the last three weeks. Uh, do you sort of add anybody into that mix? And I know you did mention Goldstein and, and how would you rate those four? So just forwards. Oh, that's really tricky because a lot depends on finals as well, like which teams remain in the finals hunt. I would still have Bont as number one. His upside is just so incredibly high as we saw not the week gone, just the week before. Rosé's been super consistent. Libra and Marshall are pretty hard to split, I think, because Libra's just, his form has been incredible, probably a bit more reliable than potentially Marshall. But I guess I'd go Bont, Marshall, Libra, Rosé. I find it a bit interesting that you don't have any swans in there with this one's playing north this week and having a decent draw. Yeah, Parker would be the one that you throw in there. Sydney have North Collingwood and St Kilda. So they've got plenty to play for in the last two games as well. Yeah. How would you rank the four? Bont's one. Marshall still worries me a little bit in that before the 173, did have four sub-ton scores and... The 88 against West Coast wasn't with Nick Nat playing, so there's not a particularly good reason why you'd have a poor game. Geelong, Brisbane, Sydney, in terms of ruck oppositions, probably not the most tempting. So I'd probably go Bont, Libba, then Marshall, and then Rosie. And that still feels like it's undercooking Rosie a little bit, who's only two sub-ton scores been 91 98. The thing is, Rosie, Libba... They're 560 plus. So that's the main sort of draw with Marshall. I think 480. If you have the cash, pretty tempting to take the three top guys. I reckon their consistency has been next level. But even though Luke Parker's super consistent, he's only had a couple of big scores 150, 167. Uh, I think, yeah, Rosie, Libba, Bont are more likely to have sort of 130 plus scores. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rosie went 130 average over three weeks. I think he's already done it this season. It's a real big test. It's a GMHBA this week, I think, Cats versus Saints. And we saw uh, English had a big first quarter and then struggled to go on with it. It's really hard to score points against Geelong. Geelong are in just in some pretty good form at the moment. And the Saints, so Marshall's huge goal was in a really big win against the Hawks. They're not obviously going to not do that against Geelong this week. The available points will be a lot less. I think to Segler's a big physical ruckman. Like even if 
Segler's not having a huge game. It feels like he's the sort of ruck that could uh, have enough presence around the ground to negate opposition ruck scoring a little bit. He's just a much bigger boy than Rowan Marshall is. He is a big unit. Are you confident with Segler going forward as the Geelong man? I thought, and this is probably relevant with the ruck sort of conversation, is that even though Segler did well around the grounds, interestingly enough, he wasn't doing too well at the hitouts, which I thought was his strong point at Hawthorne. Don't know if that's, he's just rusty, but Tim English was doing pretty well in terms of the hitouts compared to Segler. And English is not known. In fact, he's known to be a poor tap ruckman. So Marshall might still sort of rack up points that way, but I think around the ground, yeah, Segler looks a good big body. They're playing him basically in the ruck contest in center hitouts, and then he'll move to be the floating sort of tall intercepting defender, the Max Gorn role, and then they will get Blitzarves to take more of the rucks around the grounds, and then any time he gets into the forward line, Hawkins takes those ruck hitouts. So it does make it a little bit hard for individual rucks to score against Geelong because you're playing against three different ruckmen, essentially, across uh, a quarter of the game. Okay. Uh, next question is from Alec Wiltshire. What are your thoughts on using his final three trades? He must have a boost as well. Get rid of Himmelberg, Short Crisp for Doherty, Luke Ryan, and Aaron Hall. So clearing the decks of the three worst backline premiums, I guess, in his team. We, we've already sort of been pretty reticent to sideswap premiums. So I'm guessing all three uh, is not going to be our recommendation. But yeah. with three trades... At least doing one of them seems fairly tempting. So what were the three options? Himmelberg, Short, Crisp, Out, uh, and the Inns, Doherty, Luke Ryan, Aaron Hall. Going early on Himmelberg Out seems a bit crazy at this stage, right? Like he has played one game forward and actually scored like okay in the end. Like it's not horrible his score in the end. Crisp is the one that stands out to me. I don't know what's going on there. His form has like really, really dropped off in the last... It's been quite a while now. It's been maybe eight weeks or so. And he was really, really hot early in the year. And I think he came home really strong last year. So I don't know whether maybe he's carrying an injury or something. I probably wouldn't get rid of him though, because what the news came out today that Adams is out for the rest of the home and away season. So who's going to pick up those extra midfield points for Collingwood? And you'd think that Cripps may have an increased role. Uh, although he didn't get extra points on the weekend, even though Adams was subbed out early. So, yeah, I'd be a bit reticent to sub him out, and, and I don't love trading Himmelberg. Short, I'd love to get him out of my side, but again, he's not scoring horrible. And Doherty, not doing better than any of the three that are going out. Aaron Hall is insanely risky. So, yeah, I don't know about those three. Is, you, is there any that stand out to you that you would actually do? Uh, I guess probably the only tempting in there is Hall, I guess. I know it's risky, but... Just like he seems the most certain to outscore, like Ryan and Doherty are both more likely to end up being side swaps rather than upgrades. Yeah. Whereas Hall, you're just rolling the dice on whether or not he stays on park. I don't mind Crisp to Hall. Crisp is like scoring in the 70s and 80s, basically since the bye. 
There's a yeah. chance, like, I know with short, we we're like, all right, if short averages 90, Chris might average like 70 for the next three rounds. I guess 80 is more likely, but still, it's not great. The other thing with Chris is he's got Melbourne, Sydney, and Carlton. So two teams in the four, and then Carlton fighting the stay in the eight now just feels a bit sort of scary to be taking a player that's basically not hit the ton since the buys. Yeah, since round 14, when he went on the buy, he was averaging 105.5, and then 80, 79, 77, 91, 81, and 60. Chris Hall, I think, could be like 35 points a game, so that would be over 100 points for the trade, so that would be the one that I consider. But yeah, you'd I hate think it that's... if you made the trade and then Hall got injured with you. <laughs> You would, but I think you'd, if you're trading in Hall, you'd want to keep one or two of those trades behind. I do think that Adams being out, I'd be pretty reticent to trade Chris based purely on that um, and hope that he potentially does get some more scoring happening. I, I don't love those trades. Crisp to Hall could cost you points. Crisp to any of them could cost you points. Um, Doherty, yeah. I don't... It's been real weird the last few weeks. He's sort of had really slow starts and then ended up doing really well DT but not super coach wise. So he's had a few clangers. He's had a few free kicks against in key points. And yeah, so he's actually only scored over a hundred once in the last six weeks. So that was for 130, but only once in six weeks. So I, I can't imagine that you'd be trading in Doherty and Luke Ryan doing amazingly well. I think he's averaging what 110 over his last five around that mark. But even he has always been known to have real up and down periods. And not totally convinced of his scoring because uh, I know that he's had three big scores in a row, but Hayden Young has been playing that loose intercept role quite a bit for Fremantle in the last few weeks and doing a really good job at it. I think he's had the most intercept possessions in the comp for the last three weeks or something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be confident on Luke Ryan either. I think Luke Ryan does better when opposition are kicking a heap of points, basically. And so Sydney, Richmond, Melbourne saw a lot of ball enter Frio's D50, especially as they struggled with form a little bit more because Ryan takes more of the kickouts than Young does. I think like he's taken more than 100 kickouts for the year. Like he's one of the most stacked kickout taking players. So with Western Bulldogs, West Coast and GWS to come, there's potentially a lot more risk that he doesn't get the same amount of scoring opportunities, I suppose, and that in general play, then Young would be scoring more points than Ryan. There's, Not is super. there any backline player that you do like? I mean, would you double trade to bring in Tom Stewart? I guess that's the sort of questions that you get into, but two trades to get the cash to hit one of those more true premiums doesn't. Like, Sinclair and Stewart and Redmond, those three at the moment, uh, just like a clear step above anybody else, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Brayshaw looks pretty good, to be honest. I'm, I've been pretty impressed with watching Angus play the last few weeks, and Adam Saad's been scoring really well, so potentially those two amongst the cheaper options is who I'd be looking at. But yeah, we did have this discussion in a fair bit of detail last week uh, off the podcast, Marcus, with Hewitt being out and Daniel Rich being out for me. It was like, is it worth two trades to bring in Stewart when you've only got three left? And the answer was a pretty resounding no. Stewart is way ahead of the competition, but the value of that other trade is just too high 
to be spending it on Stuart. And there's still three weeks to go. So I know you'd probably get a bit antsy, but trigger happy if you've got three trades left, but those trades are going to be, could be super valuable. I think we've heard this afternoon that Jacob Ware is out with a calf strain. A lot of our benches are very, very thin. Trades could be very, very valuable later on. All right. Last question from Jimmy. What score are you happy to take from a defender rookie before looping them over the short crisp types? <laughs> Or vice versa, if the premium is playing first. Uh, I think this week, for people who have a spare premium, or even if like a lot of people don't have enough playing benches to use the four emergencies, so you might as well loop wherever you can, even if it's looping a premium for a rookie. Uh, so Chris playing round one, uh, first game of the round, probably gets the E. But just in general, like, how do you approach that? Because... As poor as a premium score is, like 60 with Crisp, like the chance of like a Weir, Buku, Ambrosio, like the chance of them scoring sub 60s is also present, right? Yeah, very strong, to be honest. So what would I need Crisp to score to take it? I think a, a 70 you would 100% take, a 60 would be borderline, and a 50 you'd probably gamble on the rookie. What would a rookie need to score for me to bench short or Crisp? I think they'd still need like, at least 80, probably pushing 90, because the downside of short has been mid-70s. The downside of Crisp we saw on the weekend was 60, but I doubt he'll back that up two weeks in a row with same sort of score. So it's probably a bit higher than that. And so, yeah, I'd really be looking for a 75 minimum from the rookie to not take the premium, but probably pushing towards 90, to be completely honest. Yeah, I think 80 is the absolute minimum for me. Probably like 90 is probably at a point where you, you might take it, but even then, like, it's so hard, like the downside that you face. Chris has been scoring poorly, but his scoring range, apart from the 60s, is much more like 75 is bad. So, like, you could get burnt by 15 points, but he might also then have that 130 game. You don't want to miss it after just holding on to crap for that long. Where you can, I think it's much more preferable to actually put the emergency on short or crisp first. And then swap them out if they have a poor score, then put the defender rookie on first. Yeah. I mean, I had a, an interesting situation on the weekend where Ware played before Rich and Ian scored 49. And that I could have used a trade to upgrade Rich to someone, probably would have been Adam Saad, so it would have got an extra 60 points. But I just didn't think that for a one weeker, that 60 points was ever going to be worth one of my trades. I think my trades are still worth a little bit more than 60 points. Thanks. I don't know if that was trying to rub salt in my wood. after I scored 59. <laughs> but no, yeah, the, the point is sound. I uh, agree with that. And I think that you were expecting like 100 versus like... Versus a donut. Yeah, it's hard. It's really, really hard to, to swallow a donut at this stage of the year or at any stage of the year. Some of us might be a bit more disciplined than you, Marcus, and might have actually <laughs> copped this hero, but probably not. Realistically, you gamble that you have the cover and that you hopefully you're going to be right for three weeks. Alrighty. So final topic for the week. If you're looking for a player can be unique this week to win an elimination finals. Anybody that stands out to you, Mark, I'm going to throw in Tex Walker into the mix to get the ball rolling. Tex Walker has West coast this week, North the week after and finishes with Port Adelaide. How amazing is that? Like both of us picked Rory Laird like six weeks ago or something because we knew that he had a really good draw and he's done so amazing. And then now he's still got the best part of that draw to come. 
Yeah, I guess Walker's been unbelievable recently. The Adelaide Crows were actually pretty good uh, against the Blues on the weekend. It'll be interesting to see how they go against the Eagles this week. I think Barras, especially at home, is going to be pretty tough competition for Walker and not going to make it so easy on him. But that's probably a pretty good call out. For me, it's probably, I like the Sydney boys, potentially like a Chad Warner against North. You'd think it'd be pretty unlikely that he'd score less than 120 unless he gets tagged, which I think he did on the weekend. Depends a little bit on what position players you're looking for. So yeah, maybe Warner in the midfield. Uh, We've talked a lot about the forwards and potentially, uh, yes, Stewart is probably the one that stands out in defense, but I know that he's a bit more expensive. Sam Walsh might not be too bad as well. They do have Brisbane, Melbourne, and then Collingwood. Um, well, that but, sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Surprisingly, though, those three teams have been the easier teams to score against in terms of opposition midfielders. Even though they do really well, that midfields are strong enough that they generally will just run midfield on midfield without too much negating effort. And so the op- opportunity to score points is um reasonable and probably the call out from adelaide not so unique but maybe should have been jordan dawson who's only 550 now if you don't have him uh he could absolutely go bananas over the next couple of weeks cool i think that's probably where we can wrap the show all the best for those facing an elimination final this week hopefully most of you are through with a week off fingers crossed we get some bench players back there are people that run, ran out of trades even before the Hewitt saga and stuff. So I know there's quite a few people keeping an eye out on players returning. Cornelia, obviously, getting back is an important one uh, against the Bombers this week. So people with their fingers crossed at this stage of the season. Yeah, I think the number one ranked team has Hewitt and Jacob Ware and zero trades. So that could be a donut if Hewitt doesn't get up this week, because I guess some people would have actually held on to him still last week. Uh, I got a bit lucky with Owens and Roses coming back, so at least gives me a little bit of depth, and Owens playing well. Hopefully he gets him a couple more games. But yeah, I'm going to be pretty light on in defensive cover. Good luck to everyone this week. Awesome. And with that, we'll sign off. See ya. See ya. Don't